0: It is so good to see you here this morning so excited to be with you Uh, how many of you are ready for Thanksgiving this weekend anybody everybody getting ready for Thanksgiving I sure am I tell you I love Thanksgiving I think I've said it before from the pulpit that uh, Thanksgiving is probably one of my my favorite holidays and uh, I think it's all because of macaroni and cheese and dressing and all those things that I probably shouldn't be eating but I tell you, I love Thanksgiving, but I tell you, I, I really love it because it reminds me every year to, uh, of all the things that I'm thankful for. How many of you just believe this morning that you have a lot to be thankful for? Amen? And just praise God for the things that you're thankful for. It's so good to see you here this morning. I can't wait. Uh, uh, as, we, as we continue in this series this morning, we started a series two weeks ago called, called Share the Season. As you can imagine from our video and just what has been communicated over the last two weeks but we kicked off this season it's really an annual uh, series for us we've we've used this title for several years in a row now and it's one I think that it just reminds us of the reality that God has given us so much and that in this time we should be preparing our hearts to give as well Uh, this is you know as we especially as we come to to the Christmas time and we start focusing on the reality that. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that we ever received. And and I think most of us in this room would agree with that, that he is the greatest gift that we ever received. And and as we think about God gifting us with his son, we also must be prepared to think about how we too can give back. And so this is a, a time of the year that we, we focus on this. And as we kicked off this series, uh, Pastor Gabe, he began to, talk about in the opening message of this series, he talked about how generosity, it flows from an abundance of joy, and that joy obviously coming from Christ Jesus, and then last week as Pastor Michael came and and began to share with us, he talked about how generosity flows from the riches of Christ, and I think most of us in this room here today would, would say and acknowledge that we are rich in Christ Jesus, amen? And so we we begin to see these things, especially as we dive into the Scripture. And through this series, we've been walking through 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And so for this year in this series, we chose to just literally take one chapter out of God's Word and just walk through that chapter and see how uh, God's Word challenges us to remember to be generous and this is one of those times where Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and and as he got to chapter 8 of the second letter he he began to talk about this reality that that we should be generous with our finances and so that's what we're going to continue today as we as we continue to walk through this series talking about what it means to share in this season so I want to pray for us and then we're going to dive into god's word and I, I believe with all certainty that god has a very challenging but a very encouraging word for us today as well so let's pray together as a faith family and let's just ask god to move in our hearts so pray with me if you will dear heavenly father lord jesus holy spirit of god lord we are so thankful for your presence in this place god we're thankful for the reality that we can come together as a faith family and we can gather in this room in which you have provided and and God we can celebrate our savior we can celebrate Jesus together collectively as the as the body of Christ God that we can come together and we can we can experience your presence and we can God, just be filled with your presence. And Lord, I'm so thankful for who you are. I'm thankful that you are a mighty God. I'm thankful that you are our prince of peace, that you are our source of joy. And God, we just love you and we praise you and we thank you. God, as we have been singing and lifting up our voices this morning in song, I just I find myself so thankful for Jesus Christ who was willing to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And, Father, that we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And, Father, uh, we are just so grateful for that, for that truth, for that reality in our life. God, we, we love you so much, and we praise you and thank you for your word and how your word teaches us so much about who we are. As believers in Christ Jesus, it teaches us so much about what it is that you want us to be and what it is that you want us to do with our lives. And God, I'm thankful that that we can turn to your word and we can understand these truths and we can be challenged and encouraged by your presence as you you speak into our life. And so, Father, in this moment, as we prepare to do that, I pray, Father, that you you would prepare our hearts and our minds, that you would open our ears to hear and God, that we would be challenged and encouraged by what it is that you have to say to us. We love you and we praise you and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. If you're here today and you are a part of this fellowship that we call Cross Point Church, if you're here today and you feel as though Cross Point Church is your home, if you feel that you are a part of this, this place, if, if the word on the street is that you attend Cross Point Church, if this is where you call home and this is where you come on a regular basis to, uh, to worship God and to be with the faith family here, then there's something that you must understand here today. And that is that you are in partnership in the ministry that Jesus Christ has given us to reach this community. That's the way we see it. That's what faith family is all about. That's what the local body, being the local body is all about. That is that we are gathered here together on on this very unique and and given this very unique uh, vision that Christ has for us as a faith family. And that vision is to Ensure that we are faithful and obedient and going out into the streets and going out into our community and going even to the ends of the uh, world with the message of Jesus Christ that lives would be transformed by his power, by his blood, and that we would see lives come to know Jesus Christ, that people would find their hope in him and that people would be discipled and that they would grow and mature in their faith as they continue to walk with Jesus and that we would be a part of that whole disciple process and that we would uh, begin to have in our hearts changed, begin to serve other people and, and we would begin to see others as uh, you know more important than even ourselves and, and that's what it means to belong to a faith family, to belong to a local church and so as we read through the scripture we begin to see this, that we begin to understand this, that God has, has given us collectively as a, as a body a very unique vision to be something and to do something with our lives together that's what we see in scripture as we begin to read through the scriptures now as individual followers of Christ we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus every day when we go out into the world we are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ that is that is what we see as we read through Scripture and as the body we are to be missionaries uh, on mission for God and his kingdom in other words when we come together as, as as individual followers of Christ we become this missionary force if you will that goes out from here that goes out from here and it reaches a community with the gospel message of Jesus Christ At the end of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, we see this really interesting story as Jesus stands before his disciples resurrected from the grave. He stands before his disciples. And and as he stands there, risen and alive, he says, the scripture tells us in, in Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So this is what Jesus is telling his disciples. And he says to them, go therefore and make disciples of all people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. He's he's given them this this grand vision if you will to go out as he prepares to ascend into heaven he's preparing to ascend into heaven alive and risen from the grave and as he gets ready to do this he gives them this great commission he places on their life collectively together as a body he places on their life this calling to go out and make disciples of all nations to go out and make disciples and baptizing people and teaching people of all the things that he has commanded to this point and as he as they go out into the world they are fulfilling this great commission that Jesus has given them now as individual disciples of Jesus Christ we are to do the same thing as we study the scriptures we begin to realize that for each and every one of us we too are like those disciples there there are things about us that resemble these disciples. We're, they were common, everyday people who have been changed by the power and the blood of Jesus. And in the same way, we are common people. We are just ordinary people living our life, and we have been changed by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you can you testify to that this morning? You've been changed by the power and the blood of Jesus. Will you testify to that this morning? Amen? Amen. You've been, you've been changed. You've been uh, filled with the Holy Spirit of God because of what Christ Jesus has done in your life. And so this is who we are. And so we begin to realize that as inv- as individual disciples of Jesus, we are called to do the same thing. We study the scriptures and we begin to realize that the Bible teaches us that when we fail to, to live our life for Jesus, we are outside of God's plan for us as disciples. When we're not living our life according to Jesus' plans for our life, that we are living a life not of obedience, we're not living according to the Great Commission, but we are living our life very selfishly and outside of God, plan for us if we're not out there fulfilling this both as individual followers and collectively as the body of Christ and some would even suggest and I would agree with them that some would even suggest that if we're not living our life for Jesus day by day that we are wasting our life that we are wasting our life 2013 John Piper wrote a book called don't waste your life It was a powerful book. I I, I recommended it to a lot of people. But in this book, he challenges us to do things, uh, to think about what every one of us as Christians were created for, created to be, and created... To do. That's the the whole preface or the whole the whole idea, the thesis of this book is 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 what this book was written for to show us that we were created for a purpose and that we are called to fulfill that purpose. And in this book, he wrote these words: He says, We waste our lives when we do not pray and think and dream and plan and work toward magnifying God in all spheres of life. God created us for this, to live our lives in a way that make him look more like the greatness and the beauty and the infinite worth that he really is. God created us for this, to go out and to be the light of Jesus, to go out and to to impact the world with the truth that our God is beautiful, that our God is majestic, that our God is everything, that our God is worth living for, amen? That's what he created us for. He created us to be worshipers of God. He created us to, to magnify the name of Jesus. He created us for these things, and when we fail to do that, we are outside of God's plan for our life, and everything outside of that is a waste of our time. It's a waste of our time. In addition to that, in 2008, Christian recording artist and rapper McCray, he wrote a song titled "Don't Waste Your Life." Uh, if you if you listen to this song, you're gonna have to listen fast. You know, it's a uh, It's a very powerful song. Uh, The lyrics are really amazing, but I mean, it's a fast tempo sort of song. And I I was trying to stay up with him just listening to it over this past week. But I I love the lyrics of this song. And and he he writes this song called Don't Waste Your Life. And in this song, Lecrae talks about how worldly uh, pursuits lead only to disappointment. When we pursue the things of this world, it will lead only to disappointment because God has, in fact, created us for a higher purpose. He's created us not to pursue worldly pursuits, but to pursue Jesus, and in pursuing Jesus, that we would be obedient to the calling that he has placed on our life, and if we are obedient to the calling he has placed on our life, then we are out there promoting and showing Jesus to the world. And so, Lecrae, I want to just read you just a few of these. I won't rap it for you this morning. I I don't know. Is that how you say it? I won't rap it? Uh, I'm not a rapper. I I, I don't even pretend to be. I hope I don't break into rap when I start reading this. There is that temptation, I guess. Uh, You know, if I could get some, you know, bumping going on, I might could do it. But, uh... But here's here's just a, a bit from this this song he wrote called Don't Waste Your Life. He says, Paul said, if Christ ain't resurrected, we've wasted our lives. Well, that implies that our lives built around Jesus being alive. How many of you testify this morning that Jesus is alive? He's alive. He's resurrected from the grave. He is not dead. He is raised from the grave, and he lives today, and he carries on. He continues. He says, every day I'm living trying to show the world why Christ is more than everything you'll ever try. This morning, I hope you believe that, that Jesus Christ is more than anything else to you in this world than anything in this world. I pray that Jesus is your hope, that he is your joy, he is your purpose, that he is your everything. That's my prayer for you this morning. And I pray that as Individual followers of Christ Jesus, we would begin to live for Jesus. That we would begin to live with the spirit of just wanting to obey, not out of a sense of duty, but out of a sense of just loving Jesus for who He is and what He has accomplished in our life. And I pray that we would begin to live for Him in such a in such a way that that our light would shine into the world, and that people would be saved by the by the power and presence of Jesus in their life. And and as we go out into this world and we we proclaim the good news of Jesus that people would find that Jesus is their hope just like he's our hope as well. That's what I pray because that's the Jesus way. For every one of us in here today as disciples, as individual followers of Jesus, this is what Jesus has called you to be and to do. To be on mission for him. To live for him, to magnify his name, to bring glory to God. This is who Jesus created you to be. And the things he's called you to do is to be obedient. You know, people who have done great things in this world are not people who have mastered a lot of things they're not people who have gathered and collected a lot of things the people who have done great things in this world they're people who have been faithful to God in all aspects of their life Now that's a that's countercultural to what the world says, I know. The world says pursue the American dream. The world says gather and collect everything you can. Make a great fortune. Those are the great things of the world. That's what the world would say, but, but in reality, the ones who have truly done great things in this world are not those who have mastered all these things, not those who have collected all these things, but those who have been faithful to God And obedient to that which he has created them for and called them to do in this world those are the ones who have done great things the Bible also teaches that we are to come together as a local body why is that because we can accomplish so much more together than we could ever on our own Beside that, there's so much that benefits us as as individual followers of Christ when we do come together with a faith family. You know, there, there's things like accountability, and I know that's sort of a dirty word sometimes to people, but the reality is we, we should desire accountability in our life so that we stray not from the things of God in this world, that, but we have friends and we have family who help us stay on the, the right path, that path where we are pursuing the righteousness of Jesus. We have those who care for us. We have those who serve our children and serve our teenagers and our, and our family and each other. There are those who are discipling each other as iron sharpens iron. We're all in this together. There's great benefit for us as individual followers of Christ when we begin to come together as a faith family and we own that and we believe in that and we trust in that. But as it speaks into God's kingdom, we also know that when we come together, we can have a greater impact on the world than we ever could alone in this world. And so Jesus, when he assembles his disciples together, he is speaking into their life. And he tells them, he says, you shall be my witnesses. Go and make disciples. Baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and do these things together. And we see in the early church where these disciples, when Jesus ascended into heaven, they went back to Jerusalem and they collected their thoughts and they began to fulfill this great commission as they went out into the world sharing the hope of Jesus so we begin to understand that. We begin to, to realize that. And so scripture teaches us that we are to connect and partner with a local church, with a local body, if not Crosspoint Church, somewhere. We don't do this alone. We come together with this faith family or we come together with whatever faith family, but we come together and we don't do it alone. That's what the Bible is constantly teach us. And when we are faithful to God together, we can do these great things for the kingdom of God. And so what does all this talk about partnership and individual followers of Christ Jesus and and coming together as a faith family, what does all this have to do with generosity? If you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter eight, which is our text today. We're gonna go ahead and dive into this passage this morning 2 Corinthians chapter eight. And one of the things that that we're gonna see is that what Paul is speaking of here is is partners in ministry. That would be a good title, I guess, for this message, is partners in ministry. But here we begin to see this passage that we look at. Now, we have already established that that Paul, in speaking in in 2 Corinthians eight, he is speaking on this issue of funding the mission. He's talking about bringing money into the work of God. He's talking about bringing money. He's speaking of this this financial element of of who we are just as as a local body. He spoke into it already. We've seen that over the last couple of weeks. And so here he's gonna continue to to, to talk about this even though he's gonna sort of shift and, and present it from a different angle. But in fact, 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 is indeed speaking of funding the mission and in the ESV the heading for this chapter is called encouragement to give generously and so that's the theme of everything that's being said in 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 this is where Paul has taken this letter if you will as he is writing to the churches in Macedonia as he is writing to the church in Corinth this local body of believers And the question that we're asking here today is, what does partnership and ministry have to do with generosity? And and I hope to answer that for you as we read through this passage this morning. Let's look at this with me, or look at this with me, if you will, starting with verse 10, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 10 through 15. Paul continues writing, and he says, in this matter, I give my judgment, this benefits you, I do not mean that others should be eased uh, and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their needs so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. And so we see this, this passage here and it's talking about really coming together as a faith family it's talking about sharing with one another there's a lot of a lot of things that we could talk about in these verses there's a lot to to go over and obviously we don't have time to to cover it all in the short time that we have this morning but one of the most powerfully challenging things that Paul says here in this passage to me and I think to all of us here is found in verses 10 and 11 and so I want us to sort of dive in there this morning and, and look at this read this with me, if you will Paul writes this he says this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work but also the desire to do it and then he says these words so now finish doing it as well. And so here Paul is speaking of the vision that the Lord had given them to complete a great work knowing too that they as, as all believers in Christ Jesus are called to that they are called to, to reach a community with the gospel that they are called to, to raise up co-laborers of the gospel to send out to even the ends of the earth and so we we see here where Paul has been talking about really raising the financial resources so that they can fund the mission and then he comes in here and he brings up this this, this saying he, he, he brings this this thought to them uh, this he, he says this he says this endeavor that you have started is going really well this this process that you were involved in this this calling this commission that you have accepted is going really well he says but he says but you're not done he says you're not done You must press on, you must continue the great work that Christ has called you to. You must continue to move forward in that great vision that God has given you. And I love that. It challenges us as a church. Crosspoint Church was started about 12 years ago from a passion that just a few people really just a few dozen people had to reach our community with the gospel message to to really desire to to go out and to share the gospel in such a way that we saw in a very authentic and genuine way people come to know Jesus and and, and so 12 years ago we launched this work called Cross Point Church it was a new church in this community and and we launched this and and throughout the years there's been ups and there's been downs mostly ups I believe I mean I I think things are going really well for a church that's just 12 years old and so we've seen the ups and we've seen the downs and God's been kind of taking us through these times in our life and and it's been very encouraging times and as we've thought about it we uh, if we think about it we've seen tremendous growth for just 12 years from just a dozen people to well over 2,000 people that call this place home and so we've seen tremendous things But we've also noted over the last few years that there have been very transitional times in our life. There have been times in our life where we sort of went from one place to the next spiritually. We went from one place to the next physically. So we've noticed throughout those 12 years that there have been very transitional times in our life. And most of those transitional times in our life center around us moving from one building to the next. We went from a, a living room where we were gathered in, in Linnell and I's living room, and, and we gathered there not long before we began to transition out of there, and we went to a, a, a borrowed space for uh, just very temporarily, and then we ultimately moved into a warehouse, and we began to see God just really move. I, I remember hearing in those days, you can't have church in a warehouse, but God showed up, amen? God moved in heart because it had nothing to do with whether it's a a warehouse or a red brick building with a tall white steeple. God was in the heart of the people and God moved and we we went from a warehouse into an old Winn-Dixie and I remember hearing on the street, well, you can't do church in a old grocery store, but let me tell you, God moved in remarkable ways. Ways He continued to move in the hearts and the minds of many people and lives were being transformed by the power and the presence of Jesus Christ and, 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 and people were, were, were maturing in their faith and people were growing spiritually and, and, and we were reaching more and more people. And so these have been very transitional times of our life. We've seen these transitional times over and over and over over the last 12 years. But our greatest temptation, the greatest temptation that we have as a local church when we transition from one place to the next is beginning to believe that somehow we have arrived. Moving from one place to the next has We've been tempted to say, okay, we, we've, we've got a space, and now we have room. And, and so to just sort of embrace that and to, to forget that Christ has called us on missions, that Jesus has given us a very specific and unique vision to reach our community and beyond. And, 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 and the greatest temptation that we have is, is becoming apathetic to the vision that Christ has given us. You know, the greatest challenge that we have today is believing that now that we have moved into this building, that we have arrived. Paul says here, he says, don't forget, Jesus gave you a unique vision. He's writing to these Corinthians and he says, you know what, God has given you, he set you on a path to do great things for his glory. He has set you on this path, and he says, the work has been good so far, but it is not finished. You might say, well, Pastor David, when is it finished? Well, I don't know that it'll be finished in your lifetime, but the reality is we don't even pause till everybody in Lowndes County and Madison, Florida, and Quitman and beyond gets saved, okay? Okay? We don't pause, we don't stop because he's given us a vision to reach our community for Jesus. It's the great commission that he gave his disciples thousands of years ago before he ascended into heaven. He says, here's the task that I give you before I leave. And you know they were a little fearful about him leaving because they didn't know what they didn't know. But he says, here's what you do. He says, I want you to go out as my witnesses. I want you to start in Jerusalem. I want you to go to Judea, Samaria, and I want you to go to the ends of the world. And I want you to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things, the truths that I have given you and the truths of God's word, raising up mature disciples that you too can send out from your family those co-labors to do the same thing. The worst mistake we can make as a faith family is thinking that our work is done. I'm sure that that would be unacceptable to God. And so here we see this. We see in this passage as as Paul is preaching this, as he's talking to them, he's he's writing to to them and he says, there's great beginning that has taken place. You've been going at it pretty hard for a while and great things have been accomplished, but we lose ground when there's a lack of continuous fruit. You must be fruitful. You must go out and continue to reach. Now, how do we do that? How do we we fulfill God's vision for our church? How do we continue in the great work that God has given us? Well, it's not really that complex, and we really don't even have to change things up. In fact, all we have to do is go back to what Jesus instructed the disciples in the early church to do, because those things have remained unchanged. There, let me just give you four of these things that He has given us. He, he, one of the things He has told us to do is that we are to evangelize the lost. We are to evangelize the lost. We are to go out into a world where people are living their lives with a spirit of hopelessness and bring them the hope of Jesus Christ just like somebody in our life once did with us. Amen? somebody told you about Jesus amen who's going to tell those out in our community about Jesus those who don't know Jesus who's going to tell them if we don't go who's going to tell them are you counting on every other faith family in this community are we going to be the ones that accept the challenge that Christ Jesus has given us to reach our community for Jesus Christ to go out and save the lost are you going to accept the challenge am I going to accept the challenge yes we're going to accept the challenge because it's what Christ has commanded us to do, to evangelize the lost. Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even the ends of the earth. It was the very first thing that Peter did after Jesus ascended into heaven. They go up in an upper room. They spend a little time praying. Jesus Since the Holy Spirit there. I mean, things are happening in their life and Peter doesn't know what to do but to roll up his sleeves and preach Jesus and thousands come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We've got to evangelize the loss. We have to disciple believers. We've been looking at this passage, but Matthew 28, 19, and following to 20 says this, go therefore making disciples, making disciples. That's the key. It's not about conversion. It's not about just celebrating the win when somebody says, I accept Jesus. It's about living life with them, doing life with them now from here until and to make disciples of these who come to know Christ Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us. And he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I I suppose that the end of the age is when we can stop because that's how long he promises to be with us. I I, I think it's gonna be a, a very long time before we accomplish the work at hand. Number three, we serve one another. This is what the disciples were doing. This is what the early church was doing. This is what we are to do as well. We care for one another. We serve one another. I love what Galatians 5.13 says. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, what does it say here? Serve one another serve one another. So we are called to serve one another. And then finally, and this is where we see Paul tying partnership and ministry all together with generosity. The fourth one is this, we must fund the mission. We must fund the mission. In Acts 4, verses 33 through 37 we read these passages and it says it says here and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in other words the apostles were going out and they were sharing the great news of Christ they were sharing that he was alive they were sharing that he has been risen from the grave they were sharing the truth of Jesus and great grace was upon them all and there was not a needy person among them for as many were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles feet and it was distributed to each as any had need thus Joseph who was also called apostles Barnabas by the apostles Barnabas which means son of encouragement a Levite a native of Cyprus sold a field that belonged to him and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles feet why was it? that they were so intentional on giving so sacrificially. They were selling their homes, they were selling their property, they were selling their fields, their land. They were giving their earthly resources for the fulfillment of Jesus' commission and for the glory of God. That's why they were doing it. You see, they bought into this idea that, that it was very important that they go about Jesus's business in changing the world. They believed it was up to them to change the world. And I love that. I love the reality that, that they, they saw that God wanted to use them. I love the reality that God saw that, I mean, that they saw that God had given them an opportunity to go out as as a missionary force into the world and proclaim the good news of Christ Jesus, and they also understood the resources that it would take. But I believe so often in the church today, we don't have people who even long to change the world. I love what Eugene Cho once said when he was speaking about generosity, he said this. He says, we are more in love with the idea of changing the world than actually changing the world. We are more in love of changing, of the idea of changing the world than we are with actually changing the world. Oh boy, we get excited when we start talking about the mission of God, don't we? We get excited when we start talking about the reality that God has given us this great opportunity to to live for him, to, to go out and to change the world. But how many of us are approaching that idea knowing that there is a cost? Knowing that we are called to something greater than ourselves and that there is with that a cost. When we begin to understand that there's a cost, sometimes we kind of fall out of love with the idea of changing the world. There are believers that have come way before us, many believers all over this world that have lost their life for the cause of Christ. As we get ready to sort of wrap this message up, let me just stress this God doesn't need our money. God can do it without our money. But God does want us to be generous people. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, God is God. God can do whatever he wants. God can change the world without us, can't he? But for whatever reason, he's called us to go and be the hands and feet of Christ. God can do it without our money, but he calls us to give our money. Why is that? I've often wondered, you know, why is it that God would call us to to be generous people with our our finances? And I think one of the places in Scripture that helps us understand this reality is found in 2 Samuel 2. Chapter 24, there's a really unique story where King David is, is at a place in his life where he comes to believe that he needs to build an altar to the Lord. He needs to build an altar to worship God. And in this story, David goes out to a, a, a place and he goes to a, a man and he choirs. He, he comes to this man and he says, I wanna buy your land And the man finds out what David wants to do with the land. He wants to build an altar. And the man says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just donate the land to you. I'll just give you the land for you. If you're gonna build an altar to the Lord, I'll just give you the land. And David, he says, no, 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 no. I wanna buy the land. Because David says, I do not wanna offer to the Lord that which has not cost me anything. That's powerful. That's powerful. David not only understands the reality that walking with Jesus, walking with God, comes with a cost, but he understands the importance of that cost. There's three things that we basically see in that story that, that David, as he, as he goes on and, and we see the rest of the story, we begin to realize about David, we begin to realize that, that he is invested in God's eternal kingdom. David wants to leverage his human resources for the glory of God. David wants to give back because God has given to him so much. And every one of us in this room have been given much. Every one of us are rich in Christ. Every one of us can recognize that Jesus Christ is the source of our abundant joy, amen? We've been given much. That's why our hearts are filled with thanksgiving. This time of the year especially as we are reminded of the great blessings that we have received from God. And so David, he, he's invested in God's eternal kingdom. David, he observed God's expectation, I'm mean, excuse me, he obeyed God's expectation to give. He knew that God desired for him to give and through his giving, he was living a life of obedience. He was living a life of obedience. Have you ever wondered well, Jesus would call us to fast. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it, it, you think about it. I mean, we, Jesus knows we need to eat to live, right? Jesus knows that we need the nutrients and we need the calorie intake, and He knows all of that, and yet He calls us to give up that which we need to get through life. Why do we fast? To show an obedience to Christ. When he calls us to fast, we give up those things which are really important to us that we would be faithful to what God is calling to to acknowledge our reliance on God as we walk through this life. Have you ever thought about the reality that Abraham was called to give up his own son and was willing to do so. Was willing to do so until God provided another sacrifice and spared the son. Why is it that God calls us to give up anything except for to allow us the opportunity to show that we truly believe that God is worth everything that we have? And when we respond in that we respond in that manner we show our faithfulness and our obedience to a holy and righteous God who has done everything for us finally we see that David worshipped by offering a gift of gratitude David was blessed in so many ways he just wanted to give back You see, for David, giving was worship. It was worship. Every time we pass those offering buckets around in this church, it is an opportunity for us to worship. I realize that many of us worship, I mean, we we give online and, and that's okay too. Every time you click that button, you're worshiping God. You're saying, God, you are worth everything to me. I want to worship you through my giving. It's a means of worship for us. I want to close from another quote from Eugene Cho. I got these, these quotes from his book, Overrated, but he writes this. He says, Generosity is what keeps the things we own from owning us. It's what keeps the things we own from owning us as we prepare for Thanksgiving this week let me ask you this question what is it that you're most thankful for if you're like me there's a lot of things that flow through your head but let me ask you this is it Jesus is it Jesus that we're most thankful for do we recognize that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that we have ever received I pray we do I pray that we are living our life in such a way that the greatest pursuit we could have in this life is not to master the things of this world, to not collect the things of this world, but to live faithful before God in every aspect of our life. That's what I pray that we are praying for. In just a moment, we're going to close with a time of prayer. A band's going to come out. They're going to lead us in this moment of worship where we can can continue to worship God and thank God and praise God for who he is. I pray that this Thanksgiving, that Jesus is the thing that's most on your mind. I pray that Jesus is your everything.